0: Welcome to the Modern Warrior Podcast. I am your host, Gavin Meenan, and this podcast is all about helping men to become unstuck in their lives and inspire and encourage them to move forward towards a life of strength, confidence, and inner fulfillment. So without further ado, here is today's episode. I hope you enjoy it. Hello and welcome to episode number 41 of the Modern Warrior podcast. Today I have the man and the legend that is Rainier Wilde joining me on today's podcast. Rainier is an advisor to celebrities and psychologists, athletes, authors, artists and priests. He teaches and writes about awakening to our highest sense of self embodying our purpose and being whole can't wait to get stuck into this episode Rainier how you doing my man
1: doing so good I'm I'm honored to be here with you um, today Gavin thanks so much for having me on
0: it's a privilege to have you here man I've come across some of your podcast episodes with uh, other guys and a huge amount of value uh, in those episodes that I've taken on board so I can't wait to to hear your uh, your theories and your practices and your philosophies in today's episode with uh, with me here and to share that with my audience. So I'm, um, as I said, privileged to have you here. And uh, yeah. yeah, so can you tell us a, just a little bit about the work you do or how you came to do the work you do right now? Maybe that's a, a better way to put it. Mm,
1: yeah, great question. Um, you don't have to go too deep for. That <laughs> starts all these years ago. No, I, I think that um, anyone who dedicates themselves to the work, anyone who dedicates themselves to the journey of, um, of being a self in the world, and engaging and liberating other selves in the world, does so for one reason and one reason alone, and that's because they wish to. You know, this is something that I have talked about before, and I'll probably say again. There is one purpose in life, one aim, and that is to live it. <laughs> that is the purpose of life—to live life. Now, I said that to my mother, and uh, and she rolled her eyes and she said, "Well, of course that is." But you know, most people going along in life are scared to admit they're alive. Yeah, they need reasons. And authority figures and education and other people's perspectives to justify being alive, right? The reason why I do anything is because I wish to. There's no higher purpose. There's no deeper reason. There's no greater calling. Uh, Not too long ago, my youngest son, um, out of four children, and I were walking along. We had gone on a forest walk we were headed back to the house and i asked him i said you want to go back and play monopoly and he said no i don't and i said well why not he said i don't want to and i looked at him and said i can't argue with that you know there's there's nothing you can do to deconstruct i don't wish to or i wish to if you tell me you know, I, I really, I really want to work with individuals because I want to make an impact in their life. All I have to do is take away impact and you'll be reduced to being purposeless. If I ask you, um, you know, what's your purpose in life? And you say, my purpose in life is, is to help others. All it will take is five bad reviews that say you didn't help them for you to no longer have a purpose. If I say, what's your purpose? And you say, Oh, I I, really want to do this because I want to, I want to inspire people. And I really want to make my dad happy. <laughs> Guess what? If dad's not happy, you lose your purpose. The highest single purpose in life is to live life and then to act upon that, which you choose to that, which you wish. So when people ask me, why do you do this? What is it? that drives you? What does it motivates you? My honest answer is because I wish to. Now, I've done a lot in life to justify that wish. And probably a lot of it was to make daddy happy at some point in time, you know, mm-hmm. so I, I get an undergrad degree, I get a I get a master's degree, I become a clinical psychotherapist, I, I become a, a spiritual director, I, I become a, a professor, I do all these things. And guess what, the resume self doesn't really actually earn you much. In the way of yourself being transformed it doesn't actually earn you much in the way of wisdom because wisdom isn't knowing more it's knowing with more and more of yourself and Mm -hmm. so i think that so much of my own journey has been um, to be uh, embodied as it were Um, not so much that i i am like a walking textbook but rather that my failures have led me to turning on the light switch in my life. That's what enlightenment is, it's just turning on the light switch. And you don't just do it once, you do it over and over and over.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's the big thing, man, isn't it? There's a, a lot of people sleepwalking, through life and uh, doing things in our life that are trying to meet expectations in their life or standards in life that have been set by their parents, peers, society and uh, we're all aware of this and uh you yourself perhaps were caught in that trap as well you were a manager yeah. in, a, in a fortune 500 company i believe in the past so you know that's that's a world away from what you're doing right now
1: it's true you know i i look back on my life at all the lives i've lived it's it's sort of a strange thing i i was 19 years old i had i had graduated um, young and then gone away to university. Um, And it wasn't just any university, it was a seminary where I was going to go and study how to be some kind of uh, spiritual (laughs) guide uh, in a very specific tradition. And uh, I called my father uh, within a few days of arriving, and I told them that uh, I had actually tested out of all of my classes and I wasn't going to go back. He was very disappointed in this. Um, but I thought it was a good plan. I stayed for the remainder of the year and learned enough to make me dangerous. Um, and when I returned, um, I, I was desperate to be responsible in the world. And you know, I think a lot of men resonate with this. Um, if you're not suffering from the peter pan syndrome of never growing up you're sort of suffering from the ebenezer scrooge syndrome the reality principle of growing up far too fast and and becoming um, buckling under the weight of the world and i think that's what i did i chose to uh, dive into um, a fortune 500 company, rose to the ranks very, very quickly, became a supervisor, a manager there, and um, all in this goal to try and become very, very responsible. I married very young. I bought a house. I became successful. And I think the reason when I look back on that early stage was because I desperately wanted something solid, something grounded. Uh so much of my young life was transient like many of us today Uh, and i i needed some place to put my feet and i thought i could create that i ended up being a part of and starting an intentional community about 40 to 50 adults who lived uh, together co-housed co-farmed and that also was an attempt to, to have some kind of solidity in my life. You know, I think the more we seek outward safety and think that that outward sense of safety or solidity will save us, the less inner security we reflect. Nothing outside of me could save me. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's deep, man. And I can relate to that too in terms of seeking these, external material possessions to make myself feel better and again this is conditioned by society I may be seeing my parents as well my parents were quite successful with their business mm-hmm. but had the fancy car had the fancy house keeping up appearances uh, all was glitz and glamour and uh, yeah and then I began to understand that okay that 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 must be what success looks like that must be what happiness looks like so this is what i need to work towards and what i need to attain and of course i go this the same route with the school and the college and i left college and i thought okay i'm done with college now i've got to get on the career ladder and wasted no time some of my friends were going off traveling some of my friends were you know taking some time out and uh I was like, no 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 uh, that's it i've done college now i've got to get on the career ladder because time is running out and i've got a career to build so uh and then two and a half years later into that career that i had aspirations and ambitions for that i felt like i was going to uh, move up the ladder and be successful in, i was made redundant from so all for nothing and uh i was yeah on my ass for uh, a good year after that feeling sorry for myself had a young daughter at the time and uh i was a stay-at-home dad lost my way and uh you know only in losing my way could i find a new direction and the direction was hang on a second no i can't find this happiness and the outside. I, I you know i can't find a job uh, so why don't i try and do something that i'm actually passionate about that i actually enjoy and i did some personal training in my younger years and i thought you know what that's something i actually like to do and i like helping people so i thought you know what i'm just going to start a facebook page here and reach out to a few people and and see what happens and one of my good friends was my first client and was my only client for about three or four months and after that things began to grow momentum began to build and uh, i haven't looked back since you know so uh, it takes something like that as i said to you earlier like a lot of people are sleepwalking through life it takes a rude awakening for you to actually understand that hang on is this really how i want to be living my life is this really what i want to do for the rest of my life is this true to me or am i living uh, to meet my parents expectations or society's standards and of course that's what i was doing and uh Mm -hmm. and as i said you can relate to that as well i mean for yourself what was the turning point from moving away from this fortune 500 company to then taking a new direction in your life was it yeah, something a, a, as well? <laughs> yeah, there's a few,
1: a few stories wrapped up into that. I I, I think I I want to backtrack though to something you just said, you know, mm-hmm. the expectations of our parents, the expectations of society. And then the routes or the roads, the prescriptions that we've been told will get us to this place called better or happiness. Education is one of them. Um I think modern education is such a fascinating example of a prescription that many of us were given um, that would make us happy, that would make us uh, have a better life. It would provide more money, which of course would make us happy. It would provide better relationships, which would make us happy. I think on down the line, the promises of particularly Western education have been revealed to be absolutely baseless and faulty on their foundation. And we're seeing the the crumbling of the modern Western educational system every day now. You know, I, I actually used to work at a, at a university for a time and uh, and I recently just learned that, that one of the institutions I, I worked with quite closely is going bankrupt and closing. And I hear this story constantly, right, that, that the institutions that promised us salvation, in fact, were doing so to line their pockets and that those pockets were very deep and the holes in them were very large. They couldn't line their pockets enough and they're collapsing. It wasn't actually about making us better. There's no there's no course on the good life, probably at the university you went to, certainly not the one I went to. No actual teaching on how to live brilliantly or authentically or in good or right relationship with those around. And yet they will gladly take your money. You know, I, I owe a small um, yet sizable percentage of the national student debt in the United States. My God, and what for a degree I, I don't use. Now, this is not me railing against education as a, as a person, but rather to say that the promises of the institutions of our day are empty. They have not in fact delivered the good life that they, that they um, said they would. And so we've had to search elsewhere. Now, I think what you said is really, really helpful, you know, sleepwalking. I I think we're born asleep. We go to school in our sleep. We get married in our sleep. Um, And uh, all of it, I think, you know, we can stay asleep for our whole life, kind of be zombies. I think a lot of men climb the ladder of success only to realize that it's up against the wrong wall. They've been asleep, right? And, uh, that was true for me, but I think I was perennially unhappy, you know, like a lot of men, it was like, oh, this isn't for me. Oh, this isn't for me. And what is that? I think that's a kind of divine discontent. That's like a, a a nudging on the shoulder over and over and over. Um, I left that Fortune 500 company. I was also a singer songwriter. I played music quite a bit. I dedicated myself to singing sad songs for sad eyed lovers. And, um, and that was fun. And, and it was a part of the community got to travel the world, studying under wonderful teachers and, and participating in community that wasn't enough. I then went back to uh, graduate school, got my degree in psychotherapy, became a psychotherapist. That wasn't enough. Um, and and what, what was enough? Well, I'll tell you, bottoming out was enough. I hit this point where my resume self had gotten larger and larger, <laughs> uh, where the skyscraper of my ego had grown immeasurably taller than my ability to sustain it. Because deep underground were vaults and caverns of shadows and secrets. The the basement of shadows that every man has in his life, every person. Because the shadow, what I call the shadow, is formed as sort of like a a polar negative to the photograph of our ego. And so as great and brilliant and bright as our, our outward persona is, well, there's the shadow lurking underneath and it's almost exactly in reverse of all the great things we put forward. That shadow is everything we had to cut away in order to belong, in order to get ahead, in order to be accepted. And in my my own shadow, there was um, the how, how to keep my agreements, how to be intimate with, with another person, how to not just, uh, to not just uh, have sex but to make love like these are these are the actual questions how to love another how to love myself this was all in the in the shadow and it really boiled to the surface where rather the floor dropped out from under me um, when one of the relational affairs I had had i'd been married twice and uh, in the second marriage an affair that I had had became public became known. And suddenly, I'm there, standing in the room of dark secrets that I had done my best to keep. You can't hide from yourself in those moments. And then you have a choice to make. Your choice is, can I show up authentically in this moment, or will I cover up once more? Will I continue to try and build the skyscraper back up? And in that moment, for me, I dedicated myself um, to becoming An authentic self without trying to look good or be right stay in control yeah i think that was really my turn turning point it was as though all of the teachings and all the practices and all of the theories and ideas stopped being practice i stopped practicing life i started to live it
0: yeah it's powerful man again i can relate to that too and there's a, a sort of humiliation isn't it when you're uh your lies are exposed, perhaps, you know, because an affair is contained within a lie or lies. And something, know. as I said, you were keeping to yourself and uh, ultimately not living a life that was true to you. And uh, yeah, when you don't tell the truth or you do lie, you, the truth will eventually come out. And unfortunately, uh, the more you suppress it, the uglier it is when it does actually come out and uh, comes the humiliation and the uh, um, embarrassment of it all perhaps and again something i can relate to i've been there and uh in my life you know like yourself like many chasing this happiness or chasing this connection in all the wrong places and for me uh porn was a big thing and uh, i had an addiction Mm -hmm. to porn for a number of years and i i I spoke to you about the uh the time i was made redundant and that was perhaps the time uh, the porn had its peak uh because i just lost myself i i I had a a sense of self-hate towards myself felt worthless because i didn't have a job and i wasn't working again society's conditions parents conditions if you're not working then you're a bum not making money, then you're a bum. You know, you're worthless. You're no good to us. You're no good to society. So of course I internalized all this and I couldn't find a job. And as I said, yeah, eventually to start the business, but you know, over the course of almost a year, I wasn't doing very much except, except being a stay-at-home dad. And as I said, porn is my escapism or porn is my way to uh, find my fix for the pain that I was dealing with. And uh chasing happiness chasing connection and uh the porn got to a point where it's like a drug like anything else you start smoking marijuana that's not enough you're going to start snorting cocaine that's not enough you go on to to heroin whatever else you know there's always you're looking for this this harder hit because you eventually Mm -hmm. adapt to the uh to the stimulus and it just isn't enough anymore you're not getting the the same the same uh, response and uh, the same um, dopamine effect. So of course the same with the porn start off with the VCR tapes, you know, show my age now magazines and uh, <laughs> eventually comes to dial up internet and about half an hour to download an image of a, of a naked woman. Um, so, uh, and then, of course, comes everything else, the, the high speed internet and like that opened up a can of worms. But along with that, too, as I said, it got to the point where, you know, this isn't enough. So I felt, um, I don't know, I didn't feel, but I, I eventually stumbled into this uh, webcam chat room where, mm. you know, use your imagination. It's like uh, expose all, bear all. But as I said, massive surges of dopamine with the attention and everything else going on in there and uh eventually moved away from that uh you know i i, I did start to uh, work on myself after that period of time but unfortunately some of the clips from the from the webcam chat room um, were somewhat posted on a porn site that somehow got uh, shared around uh the town of in. so he talked about being exposed that was being fully exposed and as i said that was my turning point saying, okay, what do I do with this? You know, do I, yeah. do I just go and run and hide and, and, and live in a cave the rest of my life and never face anyone else? Do I stand up to this and use this for, for strength? Do I take this humiliation and, and transform my life? And that's what I did. I said, look, I'm going to use this uh, to help other guys who are going through similar difficulties as I did. And I am going to going through right now. And that, that spurred on my self-development work with, with a lot of the guys Mm -hmm. that that I work with right now. So, uh, and it's always, and and also in that, although it's humiliating, it's embarrassing, embarrassing. There's also a, a strange sense of relief where you say, you know what? Fuck. I don't have to hide. I don't have to hide this anymore. Um, of course you've got to face up to the truth and there's the hardship and you've got to face up to your relationship or your wife. And I had to do the same. And, uh, that's very difficult because other people can be hurt in the process but at the same time there's a there's a, a liberation within that too where you say okay I, I don't have to hang i don't have to hold on to this anymore i don't have to hold on to this addiction i don't have to hold on to these lies anymore and as i said then you can use that truth to live a life that's actually true to you and i said look and after that you know, I had nothing to hide. I could be completely honest. And, uh, I said, look, I've been completely exposed before. So whatever else comes at me from this point, it's, it doesn't affect me because I've dealt with that. So as I said, there is a massive strength to be harnessed from those, uh, humiliating and difficult experiences such as you've done as well. So, yeah.
1: You know, I think that, um, radical honesty, you know, which is where you're at zero, just where there's, there's no secrets, there's, there's no hidden corners there. I'm not talking about to the general public, I'm talking about to, to the people that that you are closest to,
0: uh,
1: and to yourself. Um, when you inhabit those places, I think it's like the ultimate laziness. Like, I, I just think, like, ultimately, I'm a lazy person. I got tired of the hard work of maintaining all of the lies and the secrets. It's so difficult just to even remember the stories that you're telling people on any given moment, right? Uh, my partner and I, we practice radical authenticity. And I have a lot of people ask, isn't that hard? No. No, it's actually the easiest thing in the world. You simply show up to your thoughts and feelings as close to the event horizon as they occur, as close to the moment as they occur. We simply tell each other what is occurring, our thoughts, our feelings, our experiences. Guess what? There is very little room in that to be surprised. It's wonderful. It's so delightful. There's so little work involved in that people have developed a very heavy way of living, right of maintaining these secrets of maintaining these things um, you know, I don't know that I've changed that much. that's that's one of the things that I also want to say. I, I think that that some people um, particularly our western form of self-development sells this story. Here's the story um, experienced something like went through life, Uh, oblivious, blind, whatever. Then I had this powerful, confusing, chaotic, soul-crushing, debilitating moment. And all of my questions broke forth. I saw myself as I was. Now, all of a sudden, there's a split in the road. In the West, what inevitably happens is, and then I woke up and I started to become better. And then I found a savior or a guru or a guide or a sacred text or, a, or um, something that was ahead of me that I could follow the prescriptions and get to where I wanted to go. Okay. Inevitably, I have found in my life and in almost all of the, the lives that have come in contact with me that that rather relentless pursuit ends up empty again. <laughs> it just ends up empty again. You may even become the guru next, right? You may even become the guy who has it all. Emptiness. It becomes an endless loop of better. You know, one of the games I like to play is sort of a, a, a theoretical, hypothetical game. Um, imagine that you're the king of a beautiful, fully functional kingdom. Everything is working as it should. The people are happy. You're happy. You explore the land. You see all of the citizens. They love you. And One day, you come to the border, and there's a sign that you haven't noticed before, and it says, 15 miles over the border, better. How long do you think it takes you to leave your perfectly good kingdom to go seeking for better? My guess is you won't last 24 hours. Better is always over the next horizon, and it's always an illusion. For me, part of my pursuit was, in fact, not to get better. (laughs) It was to look at myself not as I wish to be, but as I am, just as I am, to begin to take an honest look and to say, this is what is, so that I can begin to be not who I would like to be but who I am. Actually, the difference is exponential. You know, I hear a lot of people say, I want to be successful. How do I be successful? What's the one, two, three of success. And I say, you know, Michael Jordan is arguably one of the greatest basketball players who has ever lived. If Michael Jordan read Michael Jordan's book on How to Become the World's Greatest Basketball Player. If he were to travel back in time and hand himself at 12 years old the book, How to Be the World's Greatest Basketball Player by Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan would never have become the world's greatest basketball player. He would be busy following someone else's prescription. He would be stuck in this endless loop of trying to be better. Yeah, stuck, always pushing the rock up the hill. Instead, my choice, the place where I sunk my feet into, is I want to turn the light on as fully and as deeply as I can and see myself as I am and step fully into that. Now, there are places where I was pretending those have to go, there are places where I've covered up that has to be shed. There are places where other people graffitied onto me. Their story became my story that has to be erased until I can stand as nakedly as possible and say, this is myself.
0: Yeah, that's powerful, man. Yeah, the, ultimately, uh, I think you're, the, the pursuit, maybe pursuit's the wrong word, but certainly the, the aspiration is to turn the light back on because that light was perhaps switched on when you were born Mm -hmm. and in those early years of your life and it is society and other people's uh, trauma and anger and uh, Mm -hmm. their own insecurities that have over time just dimmed that light a little bit over time to the point where it's it's off and as i, I put up a, t- a tweet there a couple of days ago and it was after i was uh, doing a bit of journaling myself trying to understand me for who i really am and as you know this is all a, a process a lifelong process for me anyway and yeah. it's uh, well asking myself the questions asking me the questions not asking it off society or anybody else but uh, what i came to understand is that uh, a lot of guys are are lost right now um because yeah. of the expectations and standards of society parents peers all the rest of it and um if you are lost think about how you were as mm. that three-year-old child perhaps who um you know who was free who had dreams and goals and aspirations in life who had uh this broad imagination and uh and you know think about how you wear and you know for personally i've come to the realization that i'm actually quite a introverted character who's been trying to be extroverted for years of my life because extroversion you know that you know that's not how you should be you know you you, introversion is often linked to being shy being shy is often linked to it's something negative you know that you you can't be shy you've got to put yourself out there you've got to mingle with others you've got to you know uh, be part of the crowd and over time uh, as i said my light began to to dim uh, because i was losing my true self to the point where i realized hang on you know this is uh you know i'm in darkness Uh, i've lost myself because i've been trying to be someone i'm not to uh to impress other people ultimately or to fit in and for you know throughout my 20s I would have drank a lot you know I, I did have some traumatic experiences but um just within this context I, I feel maybe I drank a lot because of my hatred of crowds and this extrovert, this um extraversion uh, persona that I put on in order to fit in with the crowd I hated pubs I hated crowds so I drank to suppress that hatred and to you know feel more comfortable in those situations and over time i've stopped drinking i've, I've obviously moved away from that i've spent a lot more time on my own and i start to understand you know what i'm happier in peace i'm happier with just speaking to one or two people at a time this is relatable to the work i do all the work i do is one-to-one i don't work with big groups or crowds uh, and that's where i'm happy and content and it's like well that's me um but I've been conditioned to to uh to live a whole different persona based on as i said parents peers and society so as I, you know it's going back to my point it's you know if you've lost your way think about how you were as a child what did you enjoy what was your personality like what kind of people did you want to have around you what dreams and aspirations did you have before your light began to dim with the expectations of others you know so that right? I, I,
1: I, lo- I love that. Um, what you're pointing out is that the keys to success for you didn't look like trying to become something other than what you already were. Yeah. And I think that that is really where a lot of us get stuck. Especially, I hear so many men today talk about that. As you said, you know, it's like, um, and the prescriptions that were given are, you know, more stuff more gear, more romance, more books, more whatever, more, more, more. I actually take completely the opposite. Less, 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 less of phony friends, less of things that don't satisfy, less of conversations that aren't real or true, less of those things more of simply who you are that's the key to success right any success you get using the tools of someone else actually'll leave you incredibly dissatisfied you'll be coming to guys like Gavin and me later and saying God I am so dissatisfied how the hell can I can I actually unwind my life and become happy again that's when you use other people's tools yeah there's a um, a beautiful story in the Uh, Hebrew Bible of a little guy named David, who is drafted into a grown man's war to go fight a, a giant named Goliath. And he graciously says, I'll do it. And he gets to the military encampment of the king, his king, who is so thrilled that this little guy is going to go up against this big giant and the king offers him his personal armor, and says, "Hey, I, I'd love for you to to wear my armor against this giant." And I'm sure it must have been state of the art. You know, it must have just been whatever the the technology of the day was. That's what it was. And David puts on the armor. And David was a shepherd. David was, you know, used to going wild and free out in the woods, and that's where he did his best fighting. And he tries on this armor. He can't get very far. He can't walk very far. It's exhausting. So he takes off this armor and he goes and uses his own tools. I think a lot of us are wearing someone else's armor. It may work for them. It may be a good thing for them. It may look great. It may, uh, it may appeal to, to how we want people to think of us but it's ineffective to confront the realities in our life. We need to do the thing that, as you said, is natural to us. That probably relates to our child self before the world covered us up. We've got to throw off the armor of others, the tools of others and begin to take up our own resources. Yeah. So much
0: of learning is an unlearning. Yeah, that's it, man. What I always say is that if you want to move forward in life, you've got to go back first and yeah yeah understand the sources of your anxieties or, or depression or difficulties today because the difficulties you have you have today the problems you have today didn't arrive today those are an accumulation of uh, problematic experiences or traumatic experiences in the past and i, I know that you uh, speak a lot about uh, trauma and uh, difficulties as well and uh, there are a lot of traumatic people out there hurt from the past i've as i've briefly mentioned there earlier like i i went through a traumatic experience in my when i was 18 almost 19 i was in a car accident and, and uh, the lady in the opposite car she she uh, she died on the scene and this is me at 18 19 about to set off uh, on my own be independent and uh, it was uh it's quite funny actually when you uh, mentioned uh, the peter pan syndrome or Uh, the ebenezer scrooge syndrome because it almost seemed like i was uh, dancing between both of those where i didn't want to grow up and face the responsibility of what i had just caused and then the other side um i was uh you know i had this huge weight on my shoulders that you know pulled me down and uh you know I i did feel uh perhaps older than i was because of the experiences that i had gone through Uh, so there was this bit of a dance where um no i didn't want to face up to that so i escaped into alcohol and porn and all these sort of things and then i come back to it with the reminders that were there you know every single day and i said okay i know what this is this is still here this is still hanging over me and it and it hung over me for over 10 years before i could speak about it to anyone so uh that in itself was a process and you know underneath all this there is it's difficult isn't it to 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 own up to your trauma to own up to your problems your insecurities to fully expose yourself and understand uh, who you really are it's it's a very painful experience in itself and of course this is why a lot of men are avoiding it because hey it's it's much easier to to drink this bottle of whiskey, it's much easier to just go and snort cocaine up my nose every weekend um, to minimise the depressive job that I'm stuck in, or the traumatic experience of the divorce that I've gone through, or whatever it is. It's it's easier to to go and have affairs uh, when my relationship is in, in tatters. Or again, uh, the affairs are masking some sort of traumatic experience within yourself, a, a lost connection or broken connections from the past uh so you've got to stop you've got to stop and really evaluate your your mood your thoughts your behaviors today because if you're not this pattern is doomed to continue for the rest of your life if you don't address it so is this how you want to live your life for the next five ten twenty years and uh, at the same time you have control you can change this you've got the power to do it you can stop and you can uh you can address these these wounds so uh and yeah as, as you mentioned it's perhaps not about changing yourself it's 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 uh, it's being true to yourself uh, going back to you know your childhood understanding who you were before the traumatic experience happened um you know, these things can change you, but they can also uh, destroy you. And so you've got a choice in those situations. Um, So I don't know, like your perspective on that.
1: You know, almost inevitably, one of the things with trauma that I've found culturally is that there is a real misunderstanding about trauma and its effects on the human experience. Mm. For whatever reason, humans are a really funny animal. We almost need trauma to learn, it seems. I'm just judging by the the effects of our species for the last 350,000 years. Um, we have this remarkable response to trauma where we actually grow because of it often. the prominent effect of trauma on an everyday average human being is that they will experience a contraction that will inevitably lead to an expansion. Now, we don't think of trauma that way. One of the things we think of today culturally is that trauma is the same as post-traumatic stress disorder, which is where a prolonged contraction occurs where we simply stay shut down, the reality of that trauma is actually an attempt to an escape, to escape or avoid or deflect or mitigate or not integrate the traumatizing event. Suffering is created by avoiding pain. (laughs) Yeah by attempting to minimize it or numb or ignore it or blame it on someone else or you name it. There are a lot of options of how we create suffering in our life. That suffering is what most of us go around saying, well, I was traumatized. Um, In order to move past that suffering, we really actually have to come back to that source of pain and look at it exquisitely. Yeah. We have to look at it not as even we remember it so much because our memories are so faulty so often, but really get back into our body and fully allow ourselves in an environment that can hold that encounter. Yeah. And and begin to allow ourselves to experience that in a way that we are able to process through it. And to reintegrate it in such a way where that contraction can then lead to an expansion again. Yeah. We slowly expose ourselves to the source of the pain so that we no longer have to live a life of suffering. Mm -hmm. Our species is, as Nietzsche said, not a tender rose. We are beasts of burden. We were always meant to experience hard things. That is one of the rather incredible features. And even if we weren't, life is hard. It is unavoidably difficult. It will chew us up and spit us out. And as Rocky says to his son, it's not about how hard you get hit. It's about coming back and taking the hits and what you do with it and giving the hit back. That's what it is.
0: Yeah. Always. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love Rocky. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's uh there's massive truth in that, but obviously there's a, uh, yeah, there, there's, there are men who will eventually the, the pain gets to the point where, something's got to give you you know the the, the weight of the pain uh, will eventually uh it, it, it will floor you uh, to a certain extent so the other uh, and yeah so the as i said when you when when you do crumble when you do fall down with the weight of the pain that's where you have the choice whether to uh, mm. to stay on the floor or to get up and uh, and is is fighted is that the wrong word is that too aggressive um certainly to face it um so there is uh yeah yeah. um so yeah and yeah so to kind of encapsulate that uh in a sentence or in a paragraph for for perhaps somebody who is at that point right now where they are crumbling what can they do what's what's the first step How, how do they move forward from this point in your own words. Absolutely.
1: I think that whenever we begin to face that dark night of our soul, when our life is unraveling in remarkable ways, that that phrase you use to, to face it. Yeah. The externals of the world begin to grow very, very dim. The ice cracks. And instead of trying to patch back the ice, You allow yourself to go down, to see what lies beneath. You begin not to come up with answers for your questions, but more and more profound questions. Yeah. You begin to look deeply, not as as to what you can cut away in life, but to what you can radically accept as you, as who you are. Yeah and begin to live. I think that that is the reality. Not to live a practice life, not to live a half life, but begin to face your life as it is, to radically accept where you are and that the road out of hell begins in hell. <laughs> yeah, got to turn on the light switch. And that's that's really what we do. You know, this is something that um in um in my transformational men's circle, the rope that I, I lead uh, a body of men through roughly every quarter. Um, we really do an exquisite form, cutting away and reducing um, the different aspects of how we've covered up ourself, so that we can stand on the solid ground of who we define ourselves to be. And that inevitably creates new possibilities. Previously unknown spaces, when we simply reduce ourselves to what remains after all is stripped away, that's a process that that I love taking men through, um, and I think is so vital and so important for men, uh, in particular. This is something that I also write about at length in the the book As You Are, um, which is my own collection of short meditations to draw people into that deeper sense of self in relationship to one another. And those are, those are really important aspects. I think get practical, take it out of theory, see yourself as you are.
0: Yeah. Excellent, man. I will definitely uh, add in the link to your book in the show notes So look out for those people and uh, Rainier man, I've absolutely uh, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with you. So you have this men's group beginning in November, I believe. So how can the men listening to this find out more about that and find out more about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Go over to Instagram, which is where I hang out on most given days when it's up and running. And um, you'll find me there, Rainier Wild. You can check my link tree uh, on my bio and you'll be able to get to the rope. As Gavin said, the rope uh, for this particular season begins November 2nd, goes through December 21st. We meet once a week. Um, I think there are only five spots left. So if you are listening to this and you want to get in on that, definitely claim your spot. Um, it's a phenomenal experience together with brothers, bringing transformation together with community. And I think that that is a really, uh, vital thing for men. Yeah. Um, so many men have already been transformed in that. I would love for, um, for anyone who would like to participate. I've had guys from from Ireland and the UK participate in that, um, had guys in parts of the world who had to get up at 3 a.m. to participate in it. And my gosh, they show up and they're the most bright-eyed and bushy-tailed of us all. So I really always appreciate that.
0: Good caffeine, yeah. Uh, Rainier, man, mm-hmm. uh, absolute privilege, as I said, to having the podcast. Uh, tons of value there. Guys, go and check him out. Absolute legend. Uh, he also has been on several other podcast so if you do search his name on spotify or apple you'll you'll see other podcasts with rainier on it uh with tons of value to uh to offer you all so thank you rainier absolutely
1: brother thanks for having me